Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, I'm Matt Harmon and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planters, satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. You know what satisfied me? Today, the fact that I get to jump on a podcast with Dalton Del Don, Yahoo Sports' own Dalton Del Don, and talk about week one. Like, we're here. There's actually a football game this week and then a slew of football games on Sunday. Dalton, thanks so much for hanging out with me today, man. Yeah, it's been forever since we finally had a pod. It's been a long time. I think last time we did one together, uh, you were telling everyone to draft Darius Geis at all costs. Um, that may have been me. That may have been me. I, we're, we're not going to forget the detail, the minor details. It may, may, may have been me, but we'll, 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 no one's checking the tape on that. But uh, nice to be back talking, and we'll get in a regular season flow here. It's the, uh, yeah, it crept up on me. I'm still in the I have another draft tonight, one uh, salary cap draft tomorrow night. So, But I'm supposed to be talking about week one matchups, you know, so it's still kind of, uh, you know, it's still kind of some adjustment period here. It is. I think it's going to be an adjustment period on the field for the players. No preseason. I think it's going to be an adjustment period for us as analysts. But let's get into some weekend news. Uh, a lot of like a lot of stuff kind of sneaky happened over the weekend, and I feel like it just sort of didn't really hit me until yeah. today. All of these things that went down, but cuts, transactions, teams got to the fifty-three. Let's dive into kind of some of the bigger ones. Obviously. One of the headliners was in Detroit, where it's not uh, my guy David Blau getting released. Who wrote my guy on the outline here? My <laughs> guy David Blau. Give me a break. Uh, but that's not the big news. Adrian Peterson returns to the NFC North, reunites with Daryl Bevel, the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. How are you feeling about this Lions backfield now that uh, the impossible, like the cockroach of NFL running backs. Like people talk about Frank Gore, man, Adrian Peterson is messing up a backfield for some young guy every year. Now it seems like. Yeah. So that, all right. So normally I'm against just a uh, cast away the old veteran. I want the new guy, but the situation here, obviously it's bad for fantasy owners. You have, you have to lower Deandre Swift. He's dealing with the injury. Um, we look at Patricia's track record. He just does not give any of his backs more than 15 carries in a game. Uh, carry on Johnson. I was avoiding, and I thought his ranking was, was interesting considering he had this large knee brace on that he was planning on continuing to wear. Um, so uh, I was in a primetime NFFC draft last night and I grabbed Peterson in round 15, um, I don't know in this in this economy, it could be a starter. And I'm actually picked. I'm crazy enough. I picked the Lions in my NFC preview to win that division. I think this wow. offense is going to remain. Uh, the defense is going to be, I believe, average. OK, enough. I know the coaching. They may not overcome it, but I see Minnesota and certainly Green Bay vulnerable and uh, just underrating how good uh, Stafford get 8.4 YPA. 
on pace for 40 touchdowns last year in that Bevel offense. And I think uh, with Hawkinson's only getting better, I think it's going to be very productive. And Peterson, I mean, he's 35 years old, but if Gore can do it at 38, and you look at the second half last year, he wasn't that bad. Obviously, PPR, he takes a hit, but I wouldn't be shocked if Peterson is an RB3 who gets the touchdowns in a pretty decent Detroit environment. Right, yeah. I mean, I do think they were very efficient last year in Detroit. I think the passing game, from a vertical perspective, like you mentioned it, that's really where Detroit kind of shined last year. Um, so that's going to make any running back here interesting. And, like, here's the way I look at it. It wouldn't surprise me one way or another. Like, if Peterson wasn't on the team in week five, that wouldn't surprise me. But it also wouldn't surprise me if sort of the situation rises that you that you just outlined, where, you know, he's kind of t- touchdown dependent, but, you know, maybe averaging about 75 rushing yards per game, something like that. I think he could easily be like, I think he's now the odds on favorite to lead the team in touches in week one at the, at the very least. Yeah. And I, the, the, the main news is guys who drafted Swift, man, it hurts. It really hurts. Yeah. Him. I, I, had a, I definitely was in, uh, thought it was optimistic there with carry on with the knee brace, the rookie, you know, uh, fresh legs. He could a uh, really good receiver, but now that just really caps his upside. And uh, yeah, it's it's a boring situation because it's, it looks like it's going to be a full blown committee. But honestly, Peterson was pretty good in the second half last year, and why can't he score eight touchdowns uh, uh, there? It's a uh, definitely not an exciting fantasy situation, but uh, I think that uh, Peterson is an okay, the most boring of all flex options now. And the early rankings have not treated him like such. I don't see him as like I said the fifteenth round, and I looked at the ADP and it looked like I jumped a couple rounds too. So. Mm-hmm. It looks like people are, are finally over him, but this is a fluid situation that's obviously just happened. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, I think Peterson didn't get enough credit for how good he looked like in the second half of the year, as you mentioned, yeah. you know, in a pretty awful offensive environment, too. And they were obviously like exactly. they were cooking rushing numbers, too. Like Bill Callahan was really trying to, for whatever reason, establish the run and like literally run out the clock on the season in Washington. Yeah. <laughs> the second half of last year but still nevertheless like Peterson was productive in that environment this is a much more a much healthier environment in Detroit that he's walking into so I agree with you let's talk about um obviously on the flip side of that coin Peterson leaves Washington I had I I think you kind of read this situation right from the beginning like I remember podcasting with you Dalton like after the NFL draft and you were talking about Antonio Gibson as a guy that could really rise up and I I know I was like shocked that you had him in the RB like 30 range or whatever Um, but I I got on board late with the Antonio Antonio Gibson thing obviously now like he's kind of the last man standing but Washington stills listing J.D. McKissick as the starter on the depth chart, the early depth chart at least. Where are you at with this Washington backfield now? Yeah, I appreciate that shout out, but I talked talk myself into Darius Geis after that, and I really I I ranked him aggressively. I was going to let you go, yeah. let you go off uh, that one. And, and who could have foreseen this? Uh, all the, I mean, what could have gone? It could not have gone better for Gibson's fantasy value here. I mean, with Peterson right. leaving as well. What an interesting play! I can't think of a of a tougher guy to rank. Thirty three carries his entire college career. Um, he racked up fifty six targets last year and forty four out of the slot. Just three out of the backfield. Um, so in this NFFC format, he's just wide receiver only. And in round six last night, mm-hmm. I had five straight non-wide receiver picks, and I thought it was going to be perfect, and he went one pick before me. <laughs> so that was very heartbreaking in Yahoo formats. He's running back eligible. And where are you putting him? on your? I know you're not obsessed with your rankings, Harmon, but what a fascinating player. Right now I have him as my RB23 uh, ahead of Gurley, David Johnson, and Le'Veon Bell, those guys. I'm, I'm definitely taking the upside unknown there. But it is a risk on a team with a projected low total with 33 career college carries. 
Oh, yeah. No, I mean, like, I think it's definitely risky, but I had him sort of as like the running back 26 by the time, like, now that we're done sort of with the, like, draft rankings and most drafts are in the books. That was really where I sort of kind of settled with him. Um, I, okay. I liked him a lot. You know, I ended up being kind of mm-hmm. bullish on him even before Peterson was released because I think he's got the best access to passing game work uh, out of these, out of the running backs. And like, really, I think McKissick is going to play a role, but I don't think he's going to play a big role. I think uh, Gibson's going to have more targets than him by the time the season ends. And like, let's also not forget, forget too. I haven't brought him up yet, but I think the healthy emergence of Bryce love also was a big part of them deciding to kind of part ways with Peterson as that early down runner for sure. And Peyton Barber exists, but the footage I saw of Bryce oh, Love God, was not yeah. encouraging. I hope I hope he does recover from that. But from what I would guess, he does not look quite ready to physically contribute. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on Gibson. I mean, Peyton Barber usually finishes last in, in DVOA's rushing uh, perennially. Um, and uh, this could give me an excuse to talk about Terry McLaurin. I moved him to number five on my receiver board with uh, what we both love, Allen Robinson, but dealing with uh, Trubisky there. Man, McLaurin, McLaurin, McLaurin. I just uh, I can't move him up high enough. I think he's going to just be a, a target monster there. I agree with you that Gibson will, well, that's what they value, especially PPR, the targets and targets are worth what, like three rushing attempts. So love Gibson, Mm -hmm. but man, scary Terry, just, uh, I can't love him enough. No, I know. Actually, it was pretty funny because, you know, uh, I saw people like tweeting over the weekend or into the back half of last week. And, you know, a lot of like, man, if you're drafting on uh, Yahoo, like you're not getting Terry McLaurin unless you're taking him in like the fourth round because of like our draft rankings or whatever. And I thought it was going to be like me, like, oh, man, I've got Terry McLaurin. No, by that point, Dalton's got him as like a top 10 guy, wide receiver eight. I think now now you've got him a wide receiver five, man. Like, yeah, we're we're all in on McLaurin. I think people listening to the podcast know that Uh, you mentioned Chicago. They've officially named Trubisky the starter. Any sizzling takes on what this means for anyone's value in Chicago? Uh, yeah, I thought Foles was going to be a noticeable upgrade, and it's I, I was wrong. If he is not did not, uh, not only did he not easily replace him, he didn't replace him at all. So I still expect uh, this uh, quarterback switch to eventually occur. But yeah. yeah, I think it is bad news, and I was just wrong about Foles. Maybe Foles really is not very good at all, like the other people would counter at me. Um, and I moved Allen Robinson from number five to number ten. I did. Yeah, it was enough for yeah. me to make to make that move. So uh, guys like Terry McLaurin, Adam Thielen, A.J. Brown, Galladay. And here's one I want to ask you about who's who I've decided. No, why do I have him in the late teens? My number nine fantasy wide receiver ahead of Allen Robinson, ahead of DeAndre Hopkins, D.J. Shark. Why, yeah. why is he not going to get 180 targets and he looks so good? So I, I actually have made I have made the the, the Trubisky decision did make a, a, a difference on my rankings a little bit there. Yeah, I feel like Chark, we're going to look back and he's going to be, I think it's like him and McLaurin are the two guys that have like the best chance of players that are being drafted outside the top 20 at the position sort of on regular that have a good chance of finishing in that top 10 range. Um, I think that's a good name to bring up. And yeah, my analysis with this Chicago receiver core and specifically with Allen Robinson in particular, like he's a guy that I had ranked sort of at his at his ceiling, imagining that Foles is at some point going to get in there. I think if this was a regular off season, um, you know, where, yeah, you know, like if there's, if this is a regular off season where they get to have a full on camp battle, there's preseason games, whatever. Like I think Foles could have won that job because for whatever reason, like Philly beat writers have always said too, like Nick Foles is never like, he's sort of a gamer, you know? I mean, he's, he doesn't always look good in camp. There's even, I mean, there's been stretches of his playing career where he doesn't look good. 
but then he kind of gets in in big moments and we know what happens there. So, I mean, I think we're seeing Foles at some point. Um, I don't think Trubisky has a super long leash and it wouldn't be surprising to me if by week three, week four, uh, we're talking about Foles has taken over that job. I mean, it is still, I mean, it just looks so crazy. Like all the positive news with Cam Newton, like this guy's ready to go. Like he's just flying high in new England and, the Bears gave up a damn fourth round pick to for their backup quarterback, who, and they're paying him a ton of money too. And all the money, exactly, just it looks so bad. I mean, just dating back to Trubisky over uh, Watson and Mahomes. But um, yeah, it's a good point about maybe Foles being a better uh, game player than practice player. Those definitely exist. Um, maybe I'm overreacting, and it'll, Foles will be in there week two, and it, he'll be. Uh, he will be a, a modest upgrade, but I just, I, I already had Allen Robinson ranked quite aggressively and still number 10. I'm still in on him and I did not move down Anthony Miller. I'm still uh, treating him as a very viable wide receiver three because of that narrow tree. But yeah, not, not even want to hear the bears already looking, you know, a little pessimistic and David Montgomery going down and, and entering again with <laughs> Trubisky. Not, not super ideal. No, not the way you want to start off. We want to thank again our sponsor for this episode, Planters. When you want to satisfy a salty craving, Planters has you covered. Their deluxe mixed nuts are roasted to perfection and seasoned with sea salt, giving you the crunchy texture and enhanced flavor that you crave. Stay satisfied with Planters Deluxe Mixed Nuts. Now, other moves. Dalton, there's a couple other just housekeeping things we got to go over today. The Browns are giving Kareem Hunt a two-year, $13.25 million extension. That's going to keep him in Cleveland for three years. Good, good for Kareem Hunt, I guess. Uh, you know, not not like this, uh, not the rosiest comeback story of all time for for a guy like uh, Kareem Hunt, considering how he got to Cleveland. But at the same time, um, this is a, this is a, this is a problem. This is a problem for Nick Chubb. Um, I saw Scott Barrett uh, from Fantasy Points tweet like that Nick Chubb was probably the worst pick you could have made at the round one to two turn. How are you feeling about this Browns backfield now that it looks like Cream Hunt, like they want to keep him there and that this probably would lead you to believe that he's locked into some sort of specific role? Yeah, it's, it is definitely not ideal, but uh, I took Nick Chubb in round two uh, yesterday uh, ahead of Aaron Jones, Kenyon Drake, who I love Kenyon Drake. And it's a yeah. PPR primetime league, and I'm uh, definitely was was debating, uh, was not uh, certainly excited. Uh, but I, I, I hate to do this, but I think it was Lord Reeves who made the tweet, but he made me feel a lot better. He basically pointed out the final eight games, uh, the difference in scoring. I think he's pointed out that Hunt outscored him, I think, in six of the eight weeks together or something like that. But uh, basically he pointed out that Chubb, it came down to yards per carry and touchdown variants. Uh, the targets, yeah. was, it was minimal. His expected fantasy points was even higher with, with Hunt. Um, according to this formula. Uh, so I just think he got some unluckiness at the goal line last year. And he's one of the uh, three, I know it's easy to, to say, but one of the three or four best real life running backs in football. And everyone points out, what if Nick Chubb gets hurt? You know, Hunt would be a monster. Um, what if Cream, uh, Cream Hunt gets hurt? And, and yeah, this, right. this offense and this offensive line, I mean, we're talking number one overall. So I, I mean, okay, maybe McCaffrey's in a different class by himself in PPR when you get 150 targets. But Chubb is right, would be right there with Barkley if Cream Hunt uh, uh, got hurt for the season. So um, it's not ideal. Uh, PPR, it hurts him, but I still think given that he's looking at 300 carries and so few players are, and he's so, so good, he can score from 80 yards out too. Um, Imagine if he didn't suffer all those knee injuries in college. Wow. Anyway, I'm a Nick Chubb believer, and I have him as my ninth uh, ranked running back, even in PPR formats. I can't remember who I said this to. I think it might have actually been on the Browns preview that we did with Matt Waldman for the Care Don't Care episodes, but it always like 
there's a part of me whenever watching Nick Chubb, and I agree with you, like he's one of the one of the three or four best like pure runners in the NFL. It always strikes me, I'm like, man, we're probably seeing what like 85 percent of what this guy could have been at his peak if he didn't have all those injuries. And I agree with you. Like, I expect the Browns offense to be much better. Like, I think they're going to get off to a rough start in week one against the Ravens, great defense, whatever. But I expect the offense to be better, and that's good news for a guy like Nick Chubb who's going to lead the team in rushing. And he's been super efficient despite the fact that he's played on some bad teams so far. If Cleveland is, you know, they're sort of a 7-8-9 win team, that's good news for Nick Chubb as well. Yeah, I, I don't love Cleveland this year, but Stefanski, I know it's limited uh, his history of play calling, but it su- suggests that it should be very run heavy. And who knows, this team might want to kind of hide Baker Mayfield. I think this team's going to try to win. Like they, ad- they address the offensive line. I think they're absolutely going to skew the run, and that'll benefit Nick Chubb for sure. Couple other contract news. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins signed a two year extension with the Cardinals, keeping him five years in Arizona. It's, it's the highest paid, like, per year for any non-quarterback ever. So good for Hopkins. I think he deserves it. He's the type of player you pay, not trade for a running back on there. I'm <laughs> getting paid too much money. Um, I don't really, I know we're both kind of like a little scared with Hopkins, whatever. I think you're more, uh, you're more scared of the new situation than I am, but I think there's plenty, there's plenty of good points there. But the other one that's interesting, cause I just want to kind of know where you're at with this. Remember when the internet kind of blew up because we thought Alvin Kamara might get traded. Well, apparently he's pretty close to signing a long-term extension with the saints keeping him there did you move camara at any point down your fantasy boards over the last week no i have not well see so i'm the weirdo who has clyde Hilaire and even derrick henry and half ppr ahead of him just the epidural in the back was a little concerning but then it's conflicting if you know it's not the it's a different kind of epidural than the one that the doctor had me literally turn my head i was instructed both times my wife got it it was such a serious procedure but um (laughs) supposedly that's fine and he's fine and he's got the extension i mean the saints offensive line that's set up sure i mean camara should be your number four guy if not number three off the board in ppr i'm not going to argue that i will just say personally i'm drafting latavius marine round eight in any league in which he's available and um, i know ty montgomery is there uh but that's personally how i'm handling the saint situation but i could be could be wrong and, and a healthy camara is uh yeah he's right there with with whatever the the, the tier number one yeah, I have him at running back three. I've had him there all year, and sure. I, I didn't move him one bit despite all this news. Yeah. I think he just has, like, monster upside. Like, I think he has the type of ceiling that we saw from McCaffrey last year. Like, I think that sort of season, as long as Breeze is there and the offense is efficient and, you know, whatever, like, I think Camaro will always have that sort of high-end upside in his range of outcomes. Uh, it m- might not be likely that he's going to hit it. Uh, because of plenty of factors that we just talked about, but I still think because of that ceiling, I will always be aggressive with him. Yeah, 83 catches three years in a row, I believe, and last year was on one leg. He still managed all those catches. So even if the yards per catch were down, man, he's just helping you with the PPR. So yeah, if he really was, you know, playing that compromise last year, fully healthy now in his prime in that situation, absolutely the, the upside's through the roof. The Jaguars also moved uh, Reichwell Armstead to the reserve COVID list. This is the second time... Uh, Armstead has been on the list so and I think Doug Marone has pretty much even said like yeah it's gonna be a while until we see him so we hope everything is okay with Reichwell I mean my god I hope he's all right man but like what are you doing with this Jacksonville backfield at all have you have do you have like I'll tell you like straight up for me it's just I don't have a take here like I I know James Robinson there are some people that like him as like a deep sleeper uh Dev, divine a zigbo is that how you say that guy's name i mean like you know this is we're digging pretty deep here at this point uh for this backfield 
Yeah, at the risk of upsetting the Zig Bros out there, I just I moved James Robinson <laughs> to number forty, and and and, and yeah, I'm going to believe what the camp is saying. They're saying they imp- he impressed them enough to release to help with their decision of releasing Fournette. Um, if Armstead is out a while. Uh, and yeah, the report and, and even people that I trust in college have kind of been like, yeah, Robinson's the guy to go get. So he's the guy I, you know, outside of an RB three, but, um, he's the flyer that I would be willing to take a stab at, but it's probably a committee and a team that's going to be playing exclusively from behind in second half. So it's not, it, it's, it's, it's the opposite of an ideal situation. Right. And Chris Thompson is definitely like, uh, the yes, coach's exactly pet right. sort of guy that's going to catch like 50 All plus the passes. Yeah. Uh, I, I would lock Thompson in at this point for, like 50 to 60 catches. And, you know, that's just like a floor proposition. He could easily. He was the right answer. No, he's the right answer. And people forget, but like a five, six week stretch a couple years ago, he was very good in fantasy. Who knows if he can hold up and he has the same coaching now. So yeah, he definitely, he's the right, he was the right answer. Good call. He's another guy too, that like has suffered so many injuries that, you know, even during that explosive stretch that he had with Washington, you still have to like wonder, man, are we getting like 85% of what this guy, you know, could have been. So We'll yeah. see. We even weirder move. One of the weirdest moves uh, of the weekend. The Raiders traded their third round pick from this year, running back. They, they were trying to use him at running back, uh, Lynn Bowden, college, college quarterback. Now the Dolphins, who they traded him to, for essentially like a day three pick swap, which is just it's wild. They're going to try to use him at wide receiver. So one, what the hell's going on in Las Vegas right now with Mike Mayock and our guy John Gruden, and two. Any sort of lean here when it comes to uh, Bowden as a receiver in Miami? Uh, I think I know the answer is no on the second one. Yeah, the answer is no on that. It just yeah, the Raiders drafting is so weird. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think Brian Edwards is probably going to be better than Henry Ruggs. Um, the Bowden situation sounds like there was they, they needed him away from from Las Vegas and and, and I yeah. don't know, just admitting uh, defeat and taking something they could get, but. Um, yeah, I don't think this is really moves the needle much in fantasy other than one less uh, possible target for Josh Jacobs. But um, I think they because they also released Theo Riddick. But um, and then they brought someone else in recently. And obviously, Jalen Richard remains. But um, yeah, I don't think it moves the, the, the fantasy needle too much here. I do think that's a good point. Like I've been lower than consensus on um, Josh Jacobs pretty much like throughout the process. Uh, and I feel I Me feel too. like that's going to end up looking bad. I feel like that's going to end up being a bad take now at this point because in all like through all this process I'd factored in Lynn Bowden as a potential like receiving running back. I factored in, you know, then they signed Theo Riddick. There's clearly also they they bring back Jalen Richard, Devontae Booker who's the third down back right now. Like he's got a history as being that sort of third down pass catching back. Like all of their moves seem to signal like hey, we're not going to give Josh Jacobs, you know, 30 targets even even that. Like which is a low barrier right there but now like Bowden's out of the picture Riddick didn't make the roster whatever like now I think we're looking at a a potential situation where Jacobs could catch 35 40 passes and then then he's gonna be like a top five running back in fantasy in that situation and they have a decent offensive line as well he's getting pushed up in the first round of these big money leagues um I I get it too um totally but I would and he's gonna have a monster week one possibly against Carolina's worst run defense but um (laughs) he's gonna absolutely smash I know make me 
I know. We're going to be like, why do we, where do we have him yeah, ranked? I'm yeah, going to feel yeah. very foolish, but then I'm going to try to remind myself that he was the most game script dependent back last year. And then the Raiders are underdogs the next six or seven weeks of the season. So uh, he's definitely going to need those targets for him to be successful. But Josh Jacobs is great. He broke the most tackles uh, last year as a rookie. If he can stay healthy and if they do throw him, even if they increase his targets just a little, absolutely he could be a top 10 fantasy back. But I'm with you though. Uh, I have him slightly lower on that, on that tier. The, the, I'm at the end of the tier instead of the beginning of the tier exactly yeah I'm, I'm definitely nervous about my lower ranking of jacobs especially like you like we said after that week one smashing we're gonna feel pretty stupid all right our For next sure. segment is who got shelled presented by our friends at planters every wednesday dalton and i are gonna take a look back at a defense or a defensive player who got absolutely shelled last week and then we'll dive into the data and point out the defensive matchups that you might want to take advantage of this sunday obviously We don't have any matchups to look back on last week, so we're just going to look ahead, talk about this coming week, week one. Dalton, give me one matchup where you expect it to be pretty lopsided here in week one. Uh, Give me my 49ers passing game versus the Cardinals secondary. Uh, I mean, George Kittle, uh, last year the Cardinals allowed four more fantasy points per game than the next worst to tight ends. Jimmy G, two games last year against Arizona, averaged more than 370 passing yards. Threw eight touchdowns, zone at the 26th pass defense DVOA. So the Niners, you know, not overly priced in DFS. Uh, I think they're going to shred and absolutely shell this zone of secondary. Yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, Love a good pick with the heart, too. I'm going to make a pick uh, from the heart here a little bit as well. You know, I tweeted this out today, man, Dalton. Like back in March, I remember, you know, like looking myself in the mirror and being like, hey, just because the Bills have John Brown and Stefan Diggs now, and you're like the you're the internet's longest standing stand of these guys, does not mean that you need to become a Josh Allen apologist. Well, here in September, <laughs> I have fully become a Josh Allen apologist, and I hate myself for it, but here I am. In our bold prediction piece today, uh, I dropped that Josh Allen's going to finish top three among touchdowns scored among quarterbacks like total touchdowns not just passing but passing and rushing it's a bit of a bold prediction but i i like kind of believe it at this point uh look i think especially in week one i think like we're not we're going to be a little bit questionable like when do we start these bills receivers you know they're going to be volatile i've said that even though i like the draft discount on brown and Diggs, you got to admit that these guys are going to be volatile because the team wants to run the ball allen's inaccuracy whatever But guess what? Here in week one, like you're playing your bills because this Jets secondary, like who the hell are some of these guys? You know, they trade some of their they trade their best player going to the season in Jamal Adams. Pretty decent return, obviously. But like now it's just Marcus May and, you know, Pierre Desir, like a bunch of just total nobodies at the cornerback position. I think this Bills passing game, Josh Allen, John Brown, uh, Stefan Diggs, obviously, I think they're going to just work over this Jets secondary here in week one. Oh, I love it. Man, Josh Allen might be the funnest player in the NFL to watch right now. You're even talking MVP chatter with Josh Allen. I absolutely love it, man. Love it. I'm like, I'm drunk on the Josh Allen Kool-Aid and I can't, I can't tell whether I'm going to really love that by November or I'm just going to, like I said, be staring back at the mirror and just totally hating myself uh, by the time we get to the end of the season. Anyway, so that was who got shelled. I hope we don't get shelled by making those picks. And once again, we want to give a shout to Planters for that segment stay satisfied with planters all right dalton well that's pretty much it for today's uh today's run through of a bunch of like random running back news and i mean it's nothing gets you ready for the football season quite like 
talking about Ryquel Armstead and James Robinson and, you know, J.D. McKissick and Lynn Bowden, you know, the staple names of fantasy football. No doubt, man. Good luck with your teams. And I'm excited for the season to finally be here. Uh, Yeah, man, football, man. I can't believe it's actually happening. I know. I feel like once like Thursday hits, like I'm, I'm definitely hyped. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like once Thursday hits, like I'm actually going to be jacked up and like ready to roll and, and seeing Mahomes and Watson and like all these, ex- just even like seeing them go through the trophy ceremony. Like I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to that. You know, Alan, Chris on the TV, the whole, the whole thing. I, I, I'm ready to go here. I'm ready, ready for this thing to happen. It's going to be so fun to, to rank Clyde Edwards Hilaire number four, to draft him everywhere, and then watch <laughs> Daryl Williams trot out there in series one and two and just get tilted immediately because you forget how absolutely frustrating football is. I don't know about you, but all the, the, the bets I make, all the teams I have, basically it's just a, it's a battle of attrition and just trying to withstand the day, man. It's just playing defense all day. But, uh, man, I love it. and I, I just love being tortured. Can't get enough of it. But uh, uh, good times. Good times, Matt. Yeah, exactly. Just love vomiting on my shoes, crying in the shower, all the great things that fantasy football <laughs> brings. Well, while you uh, are, you know, you're, while you're doing the shower cry, you could listen to some of our great podcasts here at Yahoo Sports. Check out the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler. And of course, the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty from SI. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. That's at Dalton Del Don. One more thank you to our presenting sponsor, Planters. Tomorrow, Dalton, you'll be back with Scott to preview some week one betting lines. We are here. This thing is happening. Let's go.